You're listening to episode number 40 of the Fit Successful Dad Podcast. Recently, I had the pleasure of sitting down and having a conversation with a guy named Tristan Haggard, and he is the owner of a company called Primal Edge Health, and if you've never heard of it, I'm not totally surprised because it is based out of Ecuador, which is where he lives. Uh, It's a pretty cool story, him and his family. um, started with just his wife. They moved out to Ecuador from California just because they wanted to live there. They wanted to live a little bit more of a minimalist life in some ways and explore uh, that part of the world and just kind of get away from their normal daily grind that they had going in California, post-college, pre-career kind of stuff. And they found that they could create a living based off of the local products that are grown in Ecuador and then turn that into a profitable business by sourcing them and shipping them around the world and then eventually turning that into a health and wellness coaching business and a cookbook and nutritional guide business and a whole bunch of cool things. And uh, Tristan, who is kind of the like the pack leader over there, has a really interesting story and the conversation kind of goes a little bit all over the place, but I am a health enthusiast and I think uh, some of you listening are probably also health and or fitness enthusiasts and you might get something out of it. Tristan's a really cool guy. He's got a lot of really cool experiences and his path is one that I personally find uh, very valuable when I listen to the story. And also, I think he's got a lot of really cool and interesting insights. He is a father of two. He's got a little boy and a little girl. He's married. And he is kind of mixing the entrepreneurship with parenting uh, and those two things blended together. But also, he mixes in this third component that I don't give enough credit to and I don't have enough of a daily respect for, which is the appreciation of just being alive. So if, if you listen to the podcast before, you know that I'm, I'm really big on positivity and gratitude and appreciation for everything. And just the fact that, you know, we get up and have the ability to breathe oxygen for another day and, and, you know, think and see things and experience things like that alone is huge for me. And I have a, a, a great amount of gratitude just for that alone. Uh, but Tristan takes it to a whole new level and he has lived through a set of experiences that I cannot match. So, you know, our levels of gratitude for different things and appreciation for, for different things is, are so far apart that, uh, it's just, it's really cool to hear it come from him. So, um, the interview, it kind of goes all over the place, like I said, but there's a lot of valuable takeaways and he's a really cool guy. And, um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to the interview. So check this out and enjoy the interview with Tristan Haggard of Primal Edge Health. All right, so Tristan Haggard, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You run Primal Edge Health, and I want to get into all that Primal Edge Health stuff, uh, your big translocation from the United States down to Ecuador. 
Uh, before we get into all that, why don't you just tell everybody, tell the audience who you are, tr who Tristan Haggard is, and what has you excited right now? It's spring 2017. What has you pumped right now? Oh, wow. Who did? Thank you for asking me the easiest question right off the bat. <laughs> Tristan, please define yourself. <laughs> um, I'm a guy with five fingers, five toes on each hand, foot. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I'm just a guy. I'm a guy who lives in Ecuador. Got my, my lovely family here. We run PrimalEdgeHealth.com. I mean, to define myself would be really hard, and I'm not even going to try to do that. Uh, but what's got me hyped right now? Oh, man. I don't know. I, it, it's all about the moment, right? It's all about the uh, the perception that you've got in the moment. And if you line yourself up right, and if you like kind of dial your mind in right and your moment in right, you can get hyped on almost anything in any given moment. So I'm kind of like this insane, crazy person that can. I mean, I know I know I can jump down a million different rabbit holes at any given moment and uh, and get hyped. So um, I'd say right now I'm hyped on having kids. I've got to wake up wrestle with my daughter um she jumped on a skateboard she she hasn't i used to i used to skate a lot and i just don't do it anymore and there was a skateboard around the house for so long and suddenly she became interested in it she started standing on it the other day and so we went out on the porch this morning and i started playing around the skateboard she's like oh that's awesome I just kind of <laughs> sat and watched and then she and then i put shoes on because I, I was barefoot, so you, you're kind of limited in the maneuvers you can do and how safe you feel on it. Definitely, so yeah. then I put shoes on and I kind of started throwing it around, going a little nuts, and she she was hyped, and uh, she jumps up. She's like butt naked. It's like first thing in the morning. She's just taking a shower. She's like, should I put my shoes on? <laughs> and she, uh, she runs downstairs. She gets her shoes. She comes up. She puts them on. She's still butt naked. And I'm just like, now nah, you need to put shorts on <laughs> and a shirt in case you fall. But she jumps on the skateboard and starts just dancing around on it. like going. She grabs the hammock and figures out how to push with one foot. And I watched her figure out like 100 different things within maybe a three-minute time period. And she was just out there on the porch just kind of shredding away on the skateboard. So that was cool. You ever doing uh, kickflips yet? Uh, no, I try. I try. It's a huge skateboard with these massive <laughs> wheels, and I kind of showed her like I tried to do a kickflip, and uh, it took me about three times to even feel comfortable doing it because the tail's real short, you know. So you have to leverage this thing and pop it up real high, and uh, and I almost got one, and she was like, "All right, give me that thing." She's <laughs> like, I'm "Ready?" And then my session was over, and she just she went nuts on it. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I um, I didn't know this about you going into it, but yeah, I was a big time skateboarder, probably like. 98, 99, 2000, 2001, something like that, like four-year period, every day. So you remember day. like Tom Tom Penny and uh, – Oh, yeah, I was a big Chad Muska fan, yeah. Yeah, uh, Muska <laughs> with the, the boombox. <laughs> yeah. And with the uh, – man, remember, that's when the marketing got kind of crazy with skateboarding too, right? Like those little companies started blowing up and you'd have like – what was it? The Osiris G-Bag. Osiris. Remember that thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember, <laughs> when, DC, I remember when DC started. Remember DC shoes when they were like nothing? Yeah, yeah, it was just like this little company, and everybody, yeah. Well, they, and back then it was it was kind of trendy in the suburbs where I lived in, but like only among, it was kind of edgy still, and it was a funny time. I remember that the Muska G bag, and Muska used to put uh, in his shoes, he would have a zipper pouch pocket that was about the size that you could put three fingers down in it, about two or three inches. <laughs> so you can only guess what he was using that Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His little weed stash pocket. So, yeah, that was that was funny. Those are some funny times. Uh, that's too funny. All right, cool. So, all right. Uh, I mean, you've, you're obviously pretty high on life. you got a lot of cool things going on, and, uh, and I want to hear all of it. So, 
you know, why don't you just like, I guess, tell us our backstory. Uh, just for everybody who's listening, a little primer here. Tristan, he moved from California to Ecuador. He runs Primal Edge Health, and we're going to get into all of that, what Primal Edge Health is, uh, some of the materials and, and things that he sources from Ecuador and sells online and how he makes his money. We're going to get into all of that. But uh, just tell us your, your backstory, starting, I guess, in California when you met your wife and how you went through this whole transformational shift, lifestyle Ooh. and location. You know, just tell us everything. Wow. All right, man. Cool. So well, we were just talking about skateboarding. So I guess I went to UC Santa Cruz, University of California in Santa Cruz, uh, Santa Cruz, California. Very uh, – it, it was a beautiful place. That was uh, where I met Jessica and I studied history actually. I took a completely different route after college. I studied history. I ended up having some injuries. Wanted to become a chiropractor because of my interest in healing uh, because of certain injuries that I had just from being stupid and skateboarding and you know, <laughs> just being thinking I was invincible. Um, so I was quickly physically humbled uh, and uh, shown that I was not invincible. And uh, so I had some injuries that I wanted to work through. Became really interested in chiropractic, like naturopathic medicine, stuff like that, using herbs, uh, diet to hone in consciousness, to hone in um, just improve life and improve my vitality and my ability to live. I shoot, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just like, depends on what angle I take, man. Like, I can go real shallow with this, or I can like kind of dive off the deep end and speculate, right? Um, I would, uh, I would, I would I say, dude, like, I, I feel like talking about the past is kind of like talking about the future in many ways. We don't have a clear view of it yet. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes things happen later in life and you remember certain periods of your life and the importance and the significance of those as they connect to the bigger picture later on. And that's the funny thing about memory, right? But I mean, I don't know. We started off talking about skateboarding, so that's where my mind went. Like I was really into skating when I met Jessica. I got injured. Um, was really into movement, human biomechanics, um, and trying to not have pain while I moved because I had an incredible amount of pain. Um, also very inflamed, like grew up with asthma, allergies, stuff like that. And um, so I started playing around with diet. Um, I met this guy. I met this dude. He, um, I met this hilarious guy named Scott. He was a super intense guy, very um, very focused, very aware, just kind of on the same level but in like a completely different realm than I was at at the time. Um, and he started telling me, he was like, yeah, man, you know, you've got you to gotta hunt in your diet because that's why you got so much pain. That's why you can't skate anymore and why you're not getting over this injury because you're inflamed, you're eating a crappy diet that's like messing you up. And it wasn't quite like that, but he was basically, he showed me what he was doing and explained to me in a very non-dogmatic way, like, look, this is what I do. I feel awesome when I do this. I use this stuff, MSM. So he like turned me on to MSM back in the day, back in like 2000, 2008, I think it was. What's MSM? Uh, MSM is just methyl sulfonyl methane. It's uh it's an organic sulfur compound that's really really good for healing uh, ligaments and tissues and bone injuries, and it's actually very good for skin and collagen. Um, it's just an organic sulfur compound, incredible for the immune system, good for detoxification stuff like that. So I started like eating these gross tasting powders and stuff like that, and like making green smoothies and like have some blueberries and stuff like that and. And that was the sweetest thing I was having at the time, like some blueberries. I would have some honey too. But I was doing like a very – like eating a lot more vegetables. I was still eating um, fish and meat and stuff too. And then I started playing around with like a raw vegan diet because I felt so good already when I went to this more organic whole foods diet. And I just kind of blossomed from there and uh, went off in all kinds of different directions of exploring you know, diet, herbs, um, natural medicine, stuff like that just as a way to uh, – 
to enjoy life. You know, I mean, it's a fun and, and legal way that you can experiment <laughs> with your consciousness and, um, and really hone in <clears throat> just what's going on there. And I was, that's what I was always about was, uh, you know, I mean, the, we live in a world that's kind of filtered through some, this thing that we call consciousness that none of us can explain, describe or pin down. It's something miraculous and amazing. And, um, there's ways that you can influence and impact that experience and that interface with this reality. And I found that diet, movement, things like that were just, were great. <laughs> and we started this project, Primal Edge Health. We, oh, we, all right. So I guess we'll talk about moving to Ecuador then, right? Um, so <laughs> we were in Santa Cruz. We finished up university. Both of us didn't want to take on any debt. This is like 2008, 2009. And if you remember, the economy was in great shape in the United States. <laughs> Oh, wow. yeah, I remember. You know, and so I'm like, I mean, I'm I'm going to the University of California, Santa Cruz. I mean, this is like a hotbed for, uh, I, I mean, it's like there's, let's put it this way, there's a lot of purple-haired lesbians uh, that are running the uh, the liberal arts departments there. Very, very interesting school. And um, I, I don't know, it was just it was a crazy time, right? Like Obama had just become president. And there was this huge divide. Um, it was it was odd <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> we we're freaked out a little bit. Like we didn't want to get more debt. I didn't want to go to school anymore. I had just finished my bachelor's degree, and I was looking at having to. I'd already taken these biology prereq courses because I was going to. Uh, after I got my history degree, I had decided I wanted to go to Palmer and uh, become a chiropractor. Palmer, you know, I forget what it's even called now. It's like Palmer University or University of Palmer Chiropractic School in um, in Oregon. So I don't know. I was at a crossroads, you know. It was like taking one more debt, four more years of school, a structured life that you know, you know, there's a structure, there's a safety net kind of thing, right? But I never, I was, I just wasn't able to commit to it. I couldn't, I couldn't see myself in a practice as a chiropractor because I had, I don't know. I just always felt like there's, there's so many different modalities, there's so many different ways that we can go about things, and. uh I, I was was had this kind of like primal fear of locking myself into one thing. Like I feel like I was being imprisoned if I were to become a doctor or a so, lawyer. Oh wow! Okay, so you you were like super interested, you know, hyper focused on the chiropractic like the healing component of it, right? Because of what you yeah, but doing. I was also in a lot of pain and couldn't move properly at the time as well. Okay, and I was spending a lot of time like just trying to um, like physically. Um, get myself back in line because my injuries were oh i didn't even describe yeah i just i ran into a car which in turn ran into me on a skateboard i was going down a hill really fast and i used to do this hill all the time so i thought like you know i just there's you do something over and over and over again and you know it so well right so i used to skate this hill all the time i had these big soft rubber wheels on this like kind of 80s style board and it was just fun you could go down real fast down hills <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know there was like a, a car coming out of a stop sign and it didn't see me coming down the hill and it was a four-way stop and there was loads of people going through this uh intersection i mean it was very stupid like there's if i tell the story from my perspective from how i'm envisioning it right now it's one of the stupidest things <laughs> you can ever do but at the time i thought it was just it was fine it was just like this that was what i was doing to feel alive right yeah that was what i was doing to feel connected um i had to push myself in intense ways and it ended up screwing me up um so yeah i just got nailed by this car hit i hurt my hip and twisted up my hip i had this huge knot 
in my hip after a couple of days. Like the, when it first happened, it didn't hurt that bad. So like, oh, okay, I'm fine. You know, I got up and <laughs> my board was broken underneath the the wheel well of this car, and <laughs> like picked it up and and it was still kind of together. And I got on it again and rode off. <laughs> I thought it was okay, right? And um, it was illegal where I was skating to, so I didn't want to like you know this person was freaked out that hit me, and I knew right then. Like I'm, there's no way that I'll ever like. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I'm on my own. Like I knew. Like I owned it in that moment. Like you're on your own, buddy. I didn't take the person's name who ran into me because I. It was my fault. So <laughs> I just like told this poor girl who was all freaked out that she almost killed some dude. Just like take <laughs> off. It's all good. Like I'll be all right. I think I might have gotten her cell phone number or something like that. But <clears throat> I, I wasn't. I don't think I was seriously injured. But I had like I was twisted. You know, I had knots in my hips and. uh and it was just not good. Damn, yeah. man. Okay, so you went through that, and you you're at this point now where you, you really want to go into chiropractic studies and get into that, but you don't want to take on more debt. You don't want to go back to school, and you definitely don't. And want to I wasn't life. quite sold on the chiropractic as something that I could do every single day. Right, right. Yeah. For the entire day, for at least you know, I mean, you you get locked into bills, you get locked into debts, you got to pay those debts. So it's like you know, you got to. I don't know, man. It was just, it was something that was daunting to me and I wasn't quite ready for it. And I'm glad I didn't go into it. Um, I'm very glad that we took the route we did now. We actually, we ended up instead saving up a bunch of money and, uh, or not a bunch of money, but a bunch of money to us, which was less than $20,000 um, <laughs> after, you know, like a whole year of both of us <laughs> trying to save and, and get out and selling all our stuff. So, um, yeah, we just, we, we decided to go to Ecuador. We wanted to go to South America. It was a place that I wanted to uh, to explore for my entire life. You know, I mean, I remember when I was uh, we had to make sculptures in like fourth grade or fifth grade, and I remember making this rad, this like awesome Aztec sunstone thing, and it was uh, and I was just always fascinated with like the megalithic cultures of Latin America, South America, and the history of you know the lost history of whatever the heck was going on on these continents. Um, you know, more than shoot, we we don't even really know what was going on in the 1600s. I mean, if you look at the uh, the actual historical records of the conquest, the uh, the chronicles of these um, conquistadors, there's some crazy ass stories in there that are just <laughs> like, freaking incredible. You know, I mean, so I, I I was always obsessed with history of South America and um, and the structures and the the ancient architecture and the the ancient ruins that are all around. So uh, yeah, and then we were also really into like healthy foods. Like we were, I liked maca at the time and uh, cacao. Like we were really into uh, chocolate and maca and these like people call them superfoods, right? But that's kind of a hokey yeah. <laughs> term at this point. But they really are kind of superfoods, you know. Um, so we were stoked on uh, coming down here. We had this kind of dream, like, hey, what if we can go in the mountains of Peru and source some of these things? And actually export it and sell to some of these smaller companies. And we had that kind of in the back of our minds that we could maybe do that and maybe get by. But we had no idea what we were going to do in reality. We just like – we flew down to Ecuador and um, we fell in love with it. It was just – it was coming into another world and another time and another realm. And so we decided to uh, to stay. <laughs> we uh, went back to the States, sold off – Jessica still owned a vehicle there because you know we – we didn't know what we were going to do. We had some stuff at her mom's house, and we had our dog there. So we flew back, sold the truck, picked up our dog, 
and uh, and we bounced. We came came back to Ecuador in this little village in the middle of the Andes, and um, you know now I've got a thriving online business where I do coaching and help people to optimize their lifestyle, their diet, their mind. I mean, just we we do a lot of coaching in the last few months, and I've kind of started to phase it out because I've been very busy with it, and it it can be exhausting. Uh, it's so, it's so rewarding and fulfilling and awesome, but I'm kind of like dialing it back now, taking on a little bit less clients as we've been working on some books. So we've got a, uh, we've got a cookbook out. Uh, we call it, it's actually more than a cookbook and, uh, we call it a training manual. So it's called the ketogenic edge, a training manual for low carb ketogenic and paleo cuisine. And it's basically a training manual for people. It's, it's the book that we would have wanted when we first started eating healthy. And first started learning how to properly nourish our bodies. And um, so it's kind of the intention behind that was to help people who want to learn how to prepare food for themselves, who want to save time, who want to make delicious, nutritious, nutrient-dense food that they can eat consistently and remain healthy with. Oh, my window just blow open, blew open. Hold on. <laughs> the uh, paper's flying all over the place. So yeah, we, we made the book to uh, to help people out, and we're, we're hyped to have it out. Uh, it's been out for a few months now. We've got another book that we're editing now. It's a uh, uh, We'll announce that soon. But um, yeah, here we are living in Ecuador. we got two kids. We would have never had children in the old life and in the way that we were uh, in the other trajectory, right? Like we would have been just now finishing up um, – no, I guess a, a year or two ago we would have finished up in uh, – in school, in graduate school, and been getting into practicing and doing a uh, like an internship for chiropractic. That's what I'd be doing now. And, yeah, that's uh, a long road right there. Getting into right, your practice. I'd still be like, yeah, dude, I'd still be living like a twenty-two-year-old like college kid. Yep. You know, I mean, broke, in debt, working a crappy job, but just I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you got to love it though, gotta, right? Yeah, it's like it wasn't for me, and it wasn't, and I do, I didn't want to suffer that or carry that gauntlet for something that I would have wanted to throw away as soon as I achieved, right? Absolutely. Like I've never, I've never been able to lock myself into one dogma or one modality. You know, it's like my dogma is is life. My my modality is is trying to thrive within the life that I'm given and trying to, you know, match the intensity that I feel on the inside on the outside, and I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me ask you this. Are you – well, you're, so you're living in Ecuador. You run Primal Edge Health. How are you generating like all of your revenue streams today? What brings in revenue to the Haggard household right now? All right. So I mean we do – we've got digital products. We've got physical products as well. We actually – I didn't even mention this. We, we got into exporting high-end organic foods before we even started PrimalEdgeHealth.com and – that market, that's what you wanted to do, right? You wanted to go down there and source. That's what we wanted to do, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of a part of PrimalEdgeHealth.com. But in classic me fashion, it's like it's not just about that, right? So it's like we, we wanted to do that, but I didn't want to just do that because I started just doing that. You know, it was, We were just exporting foods and it was – I don't know. It's just – it's a different type of thing, right? What we do with Primal Edge Health, we get to actually communicate with people. We get to actually – talk to people who are trying to better themselves and trying to improve their life, you know, through our coaching, which is, you know, brings in revenue. Um, you know, that's, that's more my passion is talking to people, being with people and, uh, and living and seeing people live and seeing people light up, seeing people start to thrive. And, um, <clears throat> with like, you know, exports and sales, 
don't really get that so much. It's kind of more of a, uh, reptile realm or like, you know, like, uh, pecking orders with chickens and stuff like that. It's kind of (laughs) like cold, dark realm of like dominance. And, you know, it's not, it's not that fun to work with. And even, especially organic foods, believe it or not. Um, you know, it's like you're dealing with, you're dealing with a new niche, which is actually the old niche, because all food used to be organic before you started poisoning it and destroying it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, so, you know, now so we call it organic now, and it's a niche market, but it's actually the niche market that's taking over every market. That's why Walmart's being forced to sell it. That's why Costco's biggest market is organic food. Their biggest expanding market is organic foods. Um, Target is now selling organic foods. So, you know, with this huge surge of interest comes a huge surge of people capitalizing on those interests, which there's nothing inherently wrong with, but when you got shady practices and no morals and you, I don't know, you just, there's a lot of people selling stuff. And this recently came out in some articles that were circulating about this organic food, supposedly from uh, Thailand or China that suddenly got contaminated with loads of pesticides after it had already been shipped. But I mean, that's it's a joke. It's a huge joke because it's like you can send a certificate of analysis saying anything. So it's what you see in the organic food industry is there people that have C of A's. They use the same C of A all year long and they get one C of A from one batch of organic foods and then they send that out for all the rest of the crap material that they sell from whatever producer and supplier that they source from. So it's like you, that's just one example of how it works. And then, of course, there's everybody in the, you know, when you're, when you're selling within a market like that. There's these little annoyances like, you know, the the market's flooded with low quality, low grade material. And if you want to actually sell high quality material, sometimes people are paying for so-called organic like maca. They're paying for mostly maltodextrin and they're paying less than you buy it for at the field before it even gets processed where you lose 20 to 30 percent of the weight by volume through water loss. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's weird things that go on and it just started grating on my conscience. I just didn't like dealing with these people and there's very few that have integrity and you can tell – I don't know. It was just – it was something I didn't like. That's pretty eye-opening, man. I didn't know any of this. So (laughs) Just because it's it's unfortunate and I don't want to be – I don't want to bash the organic food market because you know what? When I go to the grocery store, I'll still buy organic over conventional no matter what. But I know that a lot of it is not up to snuff and a lot of it – especially in the export market from other countries, um, you know, Latin America included, unfortunately. A lot of the stuff is low-quality material and low-grade. You can buy organic certs. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know that. So, <laughs> um, so you no longer – well, so a couple questions. Do you no, use... I still do it. I still do it, but I've okay. phased it out and I only work with specific people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like I only work with a few clients who have integrity, who want high-quality materials and who know me and we know – you know what I'm saying? It's, it's about the relationship. It's about building a relationship with your client, building trust and you having trust in your client as well. So I mean it's – to me, it's it's still fun to do with certain – it's got to be a certain like – frequency you know what i'm saying it's gotta be on the right channel <laughs> well yeah i mean listen you know your you know your truth right you know what what you're in tune with and you know what kind of product you're gonna supply and as long as you're comfortable with that and you can sleep at night and your conscience is clear you know that's that's it right then you beat the game yeah yeah exactly but there's annoying when people can beat that conscience by just don't ask don't tell you know what i'm saying it's like you you you, you know it's like there's 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 stuff on the market that'll be offered and you know, and you know, like you know, you're getting crap material. 
but the person who you're selling to wants it at a certain price because they're being offered it at that price. So then these people are like, they, you people who have a conscience get forced into just selling low grade material and crappy stuff. It doesn't have to mean it's always maltodextrin and tainted with pesticides. It could just mean that it's like you're flooding the market with low quality material that you wouldn't even want to eat, that you know it's like dried out in the streets, stuff like that. Got it. And you know, it's like, it's just kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know, man. It happens. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of phased out of that, and most of the revenue we have on our website now comes from digital products as well as just retailing certain imported products. So like we were retailing maca for a while um, in one kilo bags, but it's actually sold out. Um, this is the first time. I don't know. This will probably be up in like way after I announce it on my channel. But yeah, we got no more maca. Um, <laughs> so we're how, gonna do some other stuff soon. But and how how well is your online store, like the Primal Edge Health online store, doing? Let's do it well. I mean, it's like we're we're getting rich, you know, but we we get by. Like we're rich on life, right? It's uh, you know, we we get by. We can feed ourselves, and we can live the life that we enjoy and that we love, and we feel like we're helping other people. We know we're helping other people to enjoy their lives. So it's it's really cool, man. I'd say the most rewarding thing though is actually the coaching, but um, it's the thing that's it's more is limited, right? Like when you're bringing in revenue online, when you have products. You know, you can constantly, you don't have time input, right? But when you're, when you're doing coaching, you got to sit down with somebody, you got to get into their situation. You got to get to know them. So it's like, it is more time intensive and it is very, um, psychological. It takes a lot of focus, you know, it's psychologically draining sometimes because you have to really focus in. And if you, you know, with me, with the way I work with people, if I really focus in and hone in, we can get a lot done and just talking for an hour in one conversation, we can get a lot of good work done, but you know, it's um that I'd say that's the most rewarding thing is like seeing people, meeting people, knowing these people, seeing them grow, and um, you know, putting out YouTube videos and and you know, selling the books and the digital products is great as well. But it's just there's something that's better about like you talk to somebody and they're just like, man, I feel so much better. You know, I feel like I'm I'm just I'm I've got more energy and living life now. I'm sleeping better at night. Like to me. To me, it doesn't really get much better than that. There's people actually saying, yeah, I feel better. And it's it's not like I'm doing anything, right? I'm just kind of showing them. I'm just kind of pointing them in a certain direction and helping them. Half the time, I'm telling them what they already know, what they already know they need to do. And that's what's funny. But um, <laughs> Yeah, but you, you kind of lived it. You know, you, you developed that experience through your own set of traumatic you know, things, events, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that big transformational sure. shift. For sure, and it's like you build your you build your foundation on your mistakes, right? It's like all the mistakes I've made in the past that informs what I'm able to you know help people and guide people through now because you know I've done I've done all kinds of different routes and tried all kinds of different wild things. So I think uh, yeah, no, it's 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 fun to be able to talk to people, help people, and um, even though most of it's like you know, I mean all of it's through Skype is you know so it's not when you're with somebody in person. When you're actually in a room with somebody, spending time with them, there's, it's, it's different, right? So, um, All right. So, how, like, internationally, where are the majority of your customers from? Your coaching clients? Uh, coaching clients, I'd say most of them. I mean, they're most of all English-speaking countries or p- countries that people uh, learn English in. But I've got people all over, man. I actually get a surprising amount of uh, of expats. I guess maybe people relate to uh, to the kind of like nomadic. Uh, <laughs> lifestyle or something you know people who have moved or made big changes and uh i don't know i'd say that that's 
there's a surprising amount of people living abroad, you know, like Americans who live all over. Um, I mean, I got people from the United Arab Emirates, I've got Australians. There's a huge uh, low-carb push in South Africa. So there's a lot of people interested in Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, um, United States, Canada, all over Europe, Spain. Um, but Europe's – yeah, I mean, there's just, just people all over, man. <laughs> like Asia, like I've got – Work with people from China. Um, yeah. Wow. So do these people, you know, your clients, I know you said you're kind of phasing it out a little bit or scaling back. but I just try and I try and pace myself more. Right, right. Um, so sometimes I, when I feel like someone might not be a match, I kind of tell them, look, we're going to have to wait or, you know, I don't maybe don't think we'll work well together. I don't know. I mean, just kind of like I'm a little bit more selective, you know. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. And, but the, the clientele that you do take on and even the people that inquire, how do they yeah. find you? How do most of these people find you? I'd say a lot of them find me through YouTube. Okay. YouTube videos. Yeah. We. I mean, there's a big, there's a big following our YouTube channel. I think we might have fifty thousand subscribers now. Yeah. No. Cool. Yeah. I just we we today we got to fifty thousand subscribers. <laughs> fifty thousand and seven subscribers. Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's actually for those who are listening. That's how I found Tristan. Um, so a few back in '08, I went through. Uh, I had a huge life change, and I I lost about eighty pounds. And I've made a lot of continual changes over time, but most recently has been the interest in intermittent fasting. And I found your video, and that's how I found you. Nice. So nice, that's how man. Primal Edge Health came across, you know, my desk, and uh, <laughs> and here we are. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I, I, what do you What do you like about about IF about intermittent fasting? Uh, well, so one of the things you talked about in your video, and honestly, it's funny because I don't think anyone else in any of the other videos or any of the other things I read, uh, like blog posts and stuff talked about was the amount of energy that I have in the morning during the, like the last leg of my, my fast. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I actually have more energy when I don't eat from when I get up at six in the morning to like 10 30, 11. And, it, more, and you feel like great, right? Isn't yeah. the mood much better? Oh, and it's crazy. Like more yeah. clear-headed. You can get things done. The memory's better. The patience is higher. Dude, I've never <laughs> been more sharp, seriously, in that four-hour window, five-hour window than, than since I've started intermittent fasting. That's and, so cool. That's funny. So with intermittent fasting, ended up getting me interested in like ketosis because I'm trying to figure out, all right, so why do I feel 100 times better before I'm having my lunch? And at the time, like – my lunch would be maybe about one in the afternoon or two in the afternoon. I was trying to push it, like I was pushing it further and further because I loved the feeling of that that fasted feeling. And so I uh, ended up doing some research, found out about ketosis and uh, how when you are burning fatty acids and when your insulin levels are low and your blood sugar is very stable, you are using ketones for energy. And they're these signaling molecules that do all these interesting things like kind of switch different parts of your brain on. Um, well, not exactly switch different parts of your brain on, but they favor the production of neurotransmitters like GABA, which make you feel better, more relaxed, less anxious. Um, there's actually GABA drugs that um, – uh, there's one called Phenib- Phenibut, P-H-E-N-I-B-U-T. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's like a it's a supplement that people sell like a – they sell it like – it's like a natural supplement. But it's actually a, it's a synthetic drug out of uh, Russia that – hits the GABA receptors and crosses the blood-brain barrier and increases GABA. And it helps people sleep and some people use it before they work out or they use it for anxiety, stuff like that. It's a funky thing. But the problem with it is it can make you uh, dependent and I think it could it can be kind of narcotic in super high doses because you can take, you know, mega doses of it, which people do, of course. So, 
So, I mean, that was, that was an interesting thing to me that they actually, there's drugs that are marketed in other places in the world um, that are basically GABA, which you're getting for free when you're doing intermittent fasting or when you're in ketosis. So I kind of, uh, yeah, I got really fascinated with, with that whole thing and, you know, found a, found a reason why and found a reason to explain why I felt so awesome when I did what I was doing. Yeah, it's really cool. I know a lot of people that, that run either like a, like a full bore ketogenic diet or like a hybrid ketogenic diet. And I've never gotten into that, but I hear him talk about it all the time. And, and I always ask questions. It's interesting to me. Um, it's interesting. It's yet. not, it's not that easy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it all depends on context, right? For me, it's really easy and it's kind of my go-to thing. I love carbohydrates. I like sweet foods, but I don't eat keto all the time, but I do run keto most of the time. So I, you know, I mean, actually two days ago I was eating honey. Um, so I was definitely not on keto diet for at least five days before that. Cause I got some really, really good local honey and some amazing. So here, like this is, this is not advice that I would give to people trying to lose body fat or trying to improve their body <laughs> composition. But I was eating this uh, delicious, like Jessica's keto flatbreads that she makes. They're still keto food, but they're basically these, these flax chia pancakes. And I would smother those in honey and put this really amazing, fresh, heavy cream and mix it in. And it was just, it created this beautiful froth of like sweetness and deliciousness. So I ate that about five <laughs> days in a row for dinner. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> and, horrible. Uh, so I was not in ketosis there, <laughs> but it was definitely enjoyable. And, uh, but yeah, I, I always end up wanting to go back because I find that like on a ketogenic diet, you kind of get that feeling that you get when you're fasted for most of the day. And if, if you eat a really big meal, you'll kind of get a little sluggish, you know, but I find that I can kind of extend and leverage those like intermittent fasting, uh, like kind of that vibe that I like to feel from intermittent fasting. I can extend that, uh, using a ketogenic diet. I mean, it sounds awesome. It, it is almost like a natural high. I, I, for, you know, for anyone who's never done it, it's hard to explain. Um, it's not the same thing as just like skipping a meal. Like it's, you know, it's definitely something you got to dial in. But it's, um, yeah, I'd say the energy, like you described in your video, the energy that you get from not eating and just drinking water, and, um, it's, it's different. And the sharpness and alertness yeah. and like cognizance and awareness is like, it's the highest, it's, it's the highest it's ever been. It's the weirdest thing. And it makes sense, right? I mean, it's like, it takes energy to digest food. It takes, I mean, yeah. you've got a lot of cellular energy going into metabolism. And also when you're not fed, that's when you're meant – I mean it's it's like when you're fed, you're you're meant to be kind of more sedentary I'd say. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean it just seems like nature sets it up that way. You look at a dog. When a dog eats a meal, they chill out and lay down. Yeah. Like they're not trying to like eat a meal, like eat a meal and go get it stuff done. Like they eat the meal and they kind of relax. But I mean there's different ways that you can manipulate meal timing and macronutrient levels though to kind of affect consciousness. So I don't know. I find that I can eat first thing in the morning on a ketogenic diet. I can eat a meal first thing in the morning as long as there's not like a load of carbs in it and it's not just too much food, you know, like way too much protein and fat to where I'm like nauseous from eating so much. I'll still feel like at I'd say 85 to 90% of that like intermittent fasted feeling um, even with a – you know, just with a keto meal and – um it's fascinating. But when you think about it, it's like it kind of makes sense. When you're not eating, that's when you're meant to be seeking out food, working, doing things, making your abode better, you know, building homes, um, hunting, gathering. I mean, this is, you got to be sharp for those kind of things. And um, 
you know at the at the end of the day you feast and you uh you sit around the fire and you fall asleep drunken on the fruits of your labor <laughs> yeah man we've evolved but we haven't evolved that much you know we're still we're just basically animals you know <laughs> <laughs> right i mean the body is right yeah. I mean, it's, and we can we can be animals if we choose <laughs> we can be worse than most animals sure so uh all right so now you know you're living this way uh you're you're down in ecuador and you've got this primal edge thing going you decide to have a family and this is where you know i like to ask a lot of questions about how the family dynamic is. And I have a feeling that it's going to be very inclusive of everybody in your household, but talk about, you know, how you run your business and generate revenue for your family and then how that affects raising your family. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're all, we're all kind of involved in it. You know, it's like, I mean, Ariana, she's right here. What's up? You want to say hi? No, no. Okay. She's ran off. She was, she was hugging me and snuggling me as you were asking me that question and uh, she just ran off. But yeah, I mean, Ariana, she writes her own books now too. Ariana, you write books, right? Yeah. Yeah, she made her own cookbook. Uh, she made one. The first page was coffee, and it had a picture that Jessica had drawn of a, a bag of coffee and stuff like that. But, you know, she, she's involved in everything, man. She sees what we do. She, and her play usually involves like the kind of things that we do, you know? And then she'll run her little, she runs a store when she's playing sometimes, and she'll sell like fresh goat milk and <laughs> all these like, you know, nice artisan products and stuff like that. It's awesome. So she she's totally involved in the whole process. Um, I love it. I love we it. We all, you know, and then our son Ryder, he's only eight months old. So I'm, you know, he kind of he's a fresh addition to the to the squad here. <laughs> he um he's awesome. He just kind of cruises around. But he Ryder actually, you know, he's he's eight months, and so Jessica's kind of spends a lot more time with him over the last few months. Although she's still been chugging out. Um, this other book that she's been working on. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, we work when we work, we, uh, we drop it when we need to. And, um, you know, your home becomes your office. So that's, there's certain, there's never, there's not all upsides to working at home, right? Like working at home is cool. Um, there's a lot of benefits to it, but there can be boundary issues sometimes too, Definitely. right? Like Absolutely. when you're trying to get some work done and then your daughter comes and punches you in the butt and she's like, <laughs> wrestle. And then, and then every time your daughter walks by you, you're like flinching because you don't know if she's going to nail you or not. So Wait till your you're not fully focused. These are the little things, right? You got to set the boundaries. You got to like, if you're going to work, sometimes you want a quiet area to work in. So, I mean, we all try and do our best to offer, uh, space and um, to respect each other's each other's solitude as well. I think that's like a huge thing that a lot of people miss in families and stuff. It's just you know res- respect their space, respect that they want to be quiet, respect that they want to you know that people don't want to explain themselves. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, I mean if you've got a family at home and you're working from home, the struggle is real. So I, I feel your pain there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it definitely it's like it's so it's so worth it. <laughs> like I would never I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's those things, like that's how life is, you know. I mean, it's you gotta. I don't know. There's certain things that we have to. Um, it's, uh, the word "suffer" is so harsh, but yeah, it's like you gotta, you gotta suffer certain things in order to, uh, to reap. To sow, I mean, to, yeah, to reap really good fruit, you know. I mean, you gotta get your, your hands get, get nailed on the thorns when you're picking the berries. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. And um, I can hear myself echo all of a sudden. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it's 10, 
45 in the morning, right, on a Thursday there. Does your daughter go to school? I mean, talk to us about that a little bit. Our daughter is five. She does not go to school. She's homeschooled. We do homeschool stuff. She, um, yeah, school is home. School is home. So I was actually homeschooled in high school. Um, nice. Yeah. How Col- did you? How did that? Oh man, I would have a thousand questions for you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a very long conversation, but essentially, we made a move when I was transitioning from eighth grade to freshman year in high school, yep. and um, part of that manifested in, um, I guess, a little bit of a, of a, I don't know, I guess, an, a series of, out, of outbursts, uh, and just the way my life was going. My mom yeah. pitched to me homeschooling. My cousin was already doing it. He was thriving. He was doing really well, yeah. and um, I liked the idea, so I jumped That's on so it. That's so awesome. That's I, so cool. I, I, actually, I mean, as long as you can still... I mean, I'm sure, did you still have like like social interaction? So with- I had a yeah, I had a really big social circle, but I would definitely not recommend homeschooling at that like time of a person's life unless they are very outgoing, very social, and very yeah. like you yeah. know self uh, self aware about those things, self driven <laughs> yeah. because it's it's sure. oh man, it can be really easy to kind of like close yourself up into a bubble. Never get out. Never talk to anybody. Not even apply for a job. You know, never get your driver's license. Like it's really easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh but, wow. Yeah. No. Because when you if you went to eighth grade, eighth grade's the same as high school. <laughs> Basically, you know, it's like it's high school. Just kind of things things get a little more intense, I guess. But eighth grade is uh, you know, you you got you got the the big picture of <laughs> the human interaction thing by eighth grade most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you get you understand the pecking order. I sure do. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't at the top and I wasn't at the bottom, but I was in the place in the middle that you know just it was like nice a balance. safe place. Uh, you know, the top, of the, yeah. the top, and the bottom of the pecking order are both very dangerous. Yes. <laughs> uh, so do you? You got to be camouflaged in the middle. No. Yeah. No, I, yeah. 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 Uh, do you? Do you see yourself homeschooling both your children like pretty much their entire you know like years yeah. growing up into high school? No. I, I don't really see, I don't really, I try not to look at that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't really see it going, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's um, right. So you, you don't yeah, It's like, if, if they want to go to school, they go to school. Like, there's no, there's no, like, blockage. You know what I'm saying? They're, I'm not locking them into anything, but I want to provide for them what they want. She doesn't want to go to school right now. There's some schools around that are, you know, there's there's some uh, schools where there's a lot of English-speaking kids, too, which, um, you know, we speak English at home, and where we live is a Spanish-speaking country. We speak Spanish as well, but... You know, we don't communicate as efficiently in Spanish. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so whatever they want to do, you're totally on board with that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I say right now, though. But like, <laughs> if if my daughter who is listening right now tries to hold that against me one day, I'm gonna blame you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like this look, is not I mean, a baiting tactic. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I just don't know. You know, it's like I don't know what she's gonna want to do. You know, it's like there could be situations that would that. Are, there's situations that arise where you have to make a decision for a child, right? But then there's times when you let the kid make their own decision. Um, so, it's, I mean, for me to extrapolate context onto future circumstances is hard because I've just seen how, you know, how life kind of, you never know what life's going to throw at you and it'll change your mind about something. So I just remain open to the possibilities. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm assuming that when you were 18, 19, 20, 21, you probably didn't see yourself moving to Ecuador to source organic foods? I definitely didn't. You know what's funny, though, is I always wanted to travel, but I I couldn't figure out. You know, I wanted to travel. I wanted to see things, but I didn't have money. <laughs> so it was, like, <laughs> it was like, all right, so I don't have money. 
but I've got some time because I'm, you know, I'm a young, dumb kid. But then you can become like 18, 19, and then you don't have time or money. <laughs> so then it's like, I don't know, man. I did, yeah, I didn't see this fleshing out. But I also didn't see myself – I don't know. I never allowed myself to – I didn't see myself much at all when I was 18. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> I was 18. <laughs> um, it wasn't. It wasn't intended to be a loaded question. I promise. <laughs> I saw a lot of other things when I was eighteen. Not not all of it. So. <laughs> all right, no, uh, but I'm trying to trying to give you a good answer, and I'm just you know going over this with myself at the same time. Yeah, I, I always wanted to travel, do interesting things, see interesting places, and I always found myself in wild situations. And I always found myself in situations that were really. I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I got a thousand stories that'll never get told because I barely remember how crazy they were. <laughs> um, I just kind of lived a weird life. So, yeah. And I never allowed myself to think of what I would be doing. That even makes sense, right? Like, I knew I wanted to have an awesome life, <laughs> but I didn't know what it would look like. It was more like a, a internal hunger for some certain type of experience that like fits in with my essence in a certain way. I don't know. It's like a more of a poetic feeling <laughs> than it is like a of ambition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love that for a whole number of reasons. I mean, you, you weren't totally focused on this, like this direct path and I'm going to follow that path no matter what. But at the same time, you weren't, you weren't closed off <laughs> to like trying to experience that and, you know, tasting yeah. it only to find that you didn't want anything to do with it. And now you've made this huge pivot and mm. kind of discovered your inner entrepreneur, but also you want to experience the planet and life. And, you know, what seems to me like this kind of like, like holistic connection between everything almost is what it seems like. Right. It's like, it's like even, you know, I didn't want to get locked into some, you know, a certain uh, structure, but that was my structure. You know what I'm saying? It's like that is the structure. The structure is being in the flow in a certain way and walking a certain line. That means I, and if I, I can't, I can't get off. I can't get too far off of this certain line in my, in my life, in my mind, or I'll start to feel imbalanced. And part of that balance is always like if I submit to something or bow down to some lesser reality um, and put myself in a box, I'll eventually see out of that box and be forced to reconcile. Um, so it's like, to me, it's about, it's like an, uh, I don't know. It's like an unfolding of consciousness and the, the becoming of what we're really capable of becoming. And that's always what I wanted to do is become what I feel like I'm capable of, but I'll, you know, I don't know. It's like I've done that or like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how close or far I am from it now. And there's moments where I get completely lost from the mission. Right. But, um, but that is the mission, and that's the line that I've got to walk. Is like, is being that, and becoming that. I don't know your name. Is your is your last name really Light Gordon Light? <laughs> yes, it like, is. Looking at your name. Like, yep, that's yeah, such that's an it. awesome. Name. It's, it's like. A <laughs> name, man. Uh, it's funny is I'm actually um, I'm the fourth, and my son is the fifth, but we all have different middle names. So rad. That's so. <laughs> Gordon Light the fifth. Uh, kinda. Yeah, I can't. I can't technically, you know, put a number after it, like on my, you know, like on an application or like on a form, only because our middle names are different. Yeah. But uh, oh, really? Oh, that's super funny. But yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's no, an old it's, family it's thing. Least, right, like what you're allowed to write on certain papers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. For the magistrates, it's such a. Funny <laughs> thing. 
You ever read that book, The Glass Bead Game? Uh, the Glass Bead? No, I have not. No. It's actually oh, it's so cool. It's uh, it's like a weird novel from uh, from Herman Hess. It was his last book that he wrote, and it's this really ambitious, amazing, meditative, poetic novel about this futuristic, bureaucratic society that's like, it's like. It's like utopian, dystopian. You don't really know. It's like yeah, it's it's, just, it's a really funny book. Um, I don't I don't know why it comes to mind. Just thinking about like you know what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to write on certain things, <laughs> the rules and regulations of like your names. What was it? Like the glass bead. What? The glass bead game. The glass bead game. Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I'll, like, I'll link to it in the show notes too. <laughs> okay. Right. Might, people might not even like people might go read this book and then have no idea how I'm even connecting it to this, right? But there's something about like just the the essence of this, this the funny like bureaucracy and the way the what do you like the ritualistic aspect of society. That's so funny. Oh yeah. So one more one more quick little thing on that. Uh, I went by my middle name my whole life my whole life, which was Alex, Alexander, until, what? until I turned 18, 19, 20, 21, I started having to fill out all of these official forms for the state and for the country, you know, like register to vote and, uh, register for the draft and all that stuff. And I'm required by law to put my first name. So everything becomes Gordon all of a sudden, Gordon, a light instead of, you know, Alex light or, and, um, now I'm living this like duality here where people are calling me Gordon. They're calling my house, asking for Gordon and they're, other people are calling me Alex, <laughs> and it's a massive, massive hassle to deal with. And, so uh, funny! It's so funny, right? I was just—I I did this live YouTube thing yesterday. I said something like, "You know, we live in a reality, or we live—we live in a world created by words." I'm, there's someone probably invented that quote. That might be—I don't know. That, that's that <laughs> yeah, might be Tristan Haggard. Yeah, right. Like that's probably like, <laughs> like a Wordsworth quote or something like that. But it's so true, man. We live in a world created by words and language. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting, and um, you know, so you know, since we're kind of going down that road of you know, like like uh, talking about, I guess, for lack of a better term, like you know, words, inspiration, form, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do have I have one last question. I'll go ahead and wrap this up. We're kind of coming up against it here. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think you have a really really cool story, and you know, I'm glad we were able to unpack a lot of that and. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people up to this point and a lot of entrepreneurs, digital nomads who have just kind of picked up and done their own thing. Oh, I like that term. That's a good one. I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. But uh, yeah, no, it works and it's totally fitting, especially for people in your situation. That's and, a Shakespeare term, right? Uh, sure. I don't know. <laughs> I, Sir I, Francis Bacon. <laughs> hey. Uh, but I've interviewed a lot of people and, you know, a lot of people seem to be able, like a lot of the audience seems to be able to resonate a lot with that. They, they kind of see it as like a dream. You know, like, oh, man, this guy's so lucky he can just pick up and move to Ecuador. So man, my last question is, if you were standing like on a stage in front of a lot of, let's just say parents in this case, or even non-parents really, and, you know, they're looking at you, this guy who packed up his bags and, you know, he didn't care what the results were going to be on the other side. He just packed up his bags and moved to Ecuador to start a new life and totally went in blind. Uh, and they're looking for you for you to provide them some kind of like inspiration, some kind of advice on how they can not necessarily do the same thing, but how they can find their inner truth and, and capitalize on it. You know, what would you say to them? Oh man. Well, it's hard, right? There's a room full of people it's, <laughs> and every one of them needs to hear a different thing, right? But <laughs> Without individualizing it. 
You know, what's mm, the number yeah, exactly. one thing that like would be common to everybody? I think it's just sometimes doing what you're afraid to do can be so rewarding. You know, it's like there's yes, there's fear there for a reason, but sometimes the things we fear the most when we do them it's like liberating you know like actually pushing yourself into uncomfortable territory um the comfort zone is stagnation um you don't drink from stagnant water so yeah don't don't let yourself get stagnant and if you're feeling stagnant admit to yourself what you're feeling and you be honest with yourself about why because most of the time we know why we're suffering most of the time of course there's you know there's situations most of the time we know why we're suffering and most of the time it's because the decisions that we're making that don't line up with what we know is possible and um yeah so i think um you know just jump into the abyss jump into the unknown um yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i appreciate it that's that's beautifully articulated i couldn't agree more um and you know it doesn't it doesn't you up what I find is that a lot of people, you know, they think the word entrepreneur means you have to be this, you know, multi-million dollar per month revenue generating machine selling some kind of corporate product or service or something. But that's right? not the case. And the, and the, it's like, what do you really want? I mean, it's like young entrepreneurs. People want to, people think they want entrepreneurship, but people just want a stronger connection to life. People just want fulfillment. And it's like you don't want a job. You don't want to like. They're not looking for that. People want a connection to life. They want to feel alive. They want to live. And sometimes, I mean, even like entrepreneurship can become a distraction from that for people, right? I mean, it's you got to find your passion. You got to do something you really love, or you'll never, you'll never be satisfied if you're not, you know, if you're not doing something that lights you up, Gordon Light. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like that's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, people. It's like the money doesn't make people happy. It's like it's people, and and even now, like when you look at most of the internet marketing now is towards internet marketers. It's all the marketing on the internet now. It's like it's moving towards that. It's like seems like it's the biggest niche right now, Um, and I guess it's kind of always been like that. But it's just as the internet grows, these niches all grow, and um, most of the people that are in these niches, they're not actually looking for money. They're not actually looking for financial security. They're looking for a different type of security. And that's a security that only comes from a deeper connection to life, from a deeper connection to a higher power, in my in my experience. So, I mean, yes, the, the holistic approach and, and using, you know, your job, your lifestyle, what you do, you have to be fulfilled. That has to serve this greater purpose. And I think that finding a greater purpose for your actions, for your life, is the most important step to actually being successful in anything and whatever you're doing, right? It's having a purpose that's bigger than you, that's bigger than even your family. Because it's like, you know, okay, I need a purpose bigger than me. Then people get a family. Then they start to stagnate in there. And you you know what I'm saying? It's like, so we have to be, we're always expanding and our purpose has to be expanding and, and the scope of that purpose has to expand too. And then I think that there's something really powerful in that, in the expansion of the scope of purpose because it gives you more space that you feel required to fill with life, with energy, with, you know, vitality, with all of that. So I don't even know what I just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's deep, man. I love it. And, 
I'm going to use this opportunity to, to wrap it up. I got a ton out of this. I could probably talk to you for another couple hours and, you know, maybe we'll have you on like in another six months or a year or something. And just... I'm down, man. Whatever, man. I, it was cool talking to you, like, or, you know, blabbering when you ask me questions. <laughs> you had good questions. That uh, was good stuff. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and link your website into the show notes and is there, um, and your, your YouTube profile. Are there any other ways that people can get in touch with you, uh, you know, through Prime Ledge Health, if, if they want to do All so? All right, so yeah, the uh, the best place to find our stuff, to find information, would be primaledgehealth.com or the Prime Ledge Health YouTube channel. A lot of it has to do with diet, lifestyle, stuff like that. But of course, you know, I mean, I. It's it, it's not all locked into one specific dogma. A lot of the content right now is about the ketogenic diet. That's kind of our biggest audience, and that's what they want. That's what they demand. We might be expanding into some other territory soon, doing some more travel type stuff. Um, you know, it's 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 daunting to even say it because I'm you know I'm locking myself in. But this is something we wanted to do for a while, so I'm building this uh, truck right now, kind of fixing up this old blazer, and we're gonna start doing some. Um, the exploration all around Ecuador and Peru and uh, documenting some of it and uh, somehow tying that into some of the projects that we do here. So that's coming. There's going to be a lot more to come. Uh, you can probably find stuff on like Instagram and uh, we've got a Facebook page, but I don't you know, do that much stuff on Facebook. And um, yeah, I do a lot of live Q&A hangout <laughs> things on, uh, on YouTube and we announce that to our mailing list, which you can – Subscribe to on primalunchhealth.com. So if you want to find more stuff, that's probably the best way right now. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tristan. I really appreciate it. And I really yeah, look man. forward to talking to you soon, man. All right, Gordon. Yeah, it's, it's an honor being on. And thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, uh, talk to you soon, man. All right. Take care. All right. The thing I love most about talking to Tristan is learning that he doesn't care what anyone else is doing. He believes in his own thing. Him and his family believe in their own thing, and they have built their little village on that thing, and they're not changing for anybody else. And he has continued to to build from zero a, a business. He has continued to build an audience that continues to grow. He's got clients all over the world, and he is going to see successes continue to expand over time to the point where he is going to be doing very, very well. He's following the formula and anybody can follow the formula because it essentially is a formula and he is just a shining example of how that works but he's willing to put in the work he's willing to put in the sacrifice and he's willing to have the number one thing which is patience so thank you so much for listening please share this interview with somebody else who you think might also get value out of it and please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher that is literally the lifeblood of this podcast so thank you so much for listening one more time and I'll check you on the next episode take care